This episode of Butcher Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you. You're probably thinking, how is it brought to you by me? I don't understand. Explain it to me, Ryan. I will. For the price of a cup of coffee, a beer, or just tipping the boys. That's right. You can subscribe to patreon.com slash Breakaway. Even though it's the offseason, there's no Rangers hockey, we still do this podcast, and we have every single Monday night when we record it for the last seven years. It's driving me insane. And honestly, it makes me sad and sick to my stomach that I have to talk to Greg this often. With that being said... Please support us so I can continue to do this and continue to do this podcast about the New York Rangers, a team that makes me sad. Today we'll be talking dra- draft picks. Nice opening, Ryan. We'll be talking draft picks with our friend Drew Way, who's our resident prospect expert. We'll be talking about how we don't have a first rounder, how, who are the hot gems that the Rangers could reach for, what's going on in the prospect system in general, and uh, a bunch of other nonsense. And Greg and I will talk our Tammy Panarin and some other stuff, but without further ado, here is Mark Messier. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Breakaway fans, welcome to the week of the Blueshirts Breakaway. I am your host Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. And Greg, I saw no hitter over the weekend. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you know this. The Stanley Cup's over. It is. Um, yeah. Congratulations I, to the Avalanche, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I don't know if you know this. Dirty team. <laughs> really dirty. Dirty team. Fraudulent, by the way. I heard. I listened to Thirty Two Thoughts today, and Elliot Friedman was like, "That team plays like a team that hasn't won before." And I was just sitting Woo! in my car, being like, "Because." They haven't won a legitimate one, buddy. That's why they're playing like they haven't won one before. Uh, can I just say the Stamkos boarding non-call, then throwing a puck into a ref, then checking a ref? is um, It tells me a lot about why the calls didn't go the Rangers' ways in that in that series. Just saying. <laughs> well, if I, uh, the one that was most offensive to me, I think, was Kucherov having a temper tantrum with the equipment staff. With 30 seconds left, they didn't have a stick for him, so he took his glove off and threw it at the equipment manager? Guys, you won two cups. Hold on. They won two nonsense bullshit cups. I know you want to win more. I get winning three in a row is a great accomplishment. You won two. I kill for one. I kill for one. I also (laughs) – Game six six of the Stanley Cup final was on Sunday. The Avalanche clinched. Everybody knows that as they listen to this. Can I run through with you what my sports Sunday was like? Yeah. Run it. I, of course, watched the Mets game. Uh, typical Shocker. noon start. I'm actually a fan of the noon Peacock game. I know that makes me in the minority, uh, but I liked it. You know, oh, I enjoyed I like it. When My, sports Mets... start early. I'm a big fan. Yeah, Mets game was done at three, which gave me plenty of time. You would think, Ryan, plenty of time to regroup and recover before the Stanley Cup. I watched the end of the College World Series. Uh, congratulations, Ole Miss. I watched the end of the Travelers Championship. That's right, golf. Wow. Uh, bonkers by the way bonkers ending live or let uh, golf live. fans out there are nodding and agreeing yeah uh i did everything humanly possible and watched zero seconds of the stanley cup final i watched a little bit of the nascar race and i just was like i'm not watching hockey fuck it i watched the stanley it. cup final just to watch mccarr be mccarr because he's fucking amazing um and i know the rangers wanted to trade up for him which <laughs> remember, makes it worse remember do you remember the uh the stupid Rangers con Smite conversation you're we having a while ago. And I said, yeah, it doesn't M- matter. Cause Kale McCarr is going to win. Yeah. Anyway. Well, guess what? <laughs> he is yeah. that good. That's really fun. I, it's funny that that Heedle is a conversation is probably the most engaging and entertaining Ranger playoff talk that we had. 
and the talk was ended with, nah, this talk doesn't matter because it's going to be Kale McCarr. And it was. And he's that. And it was. He's insane. And the Flyers didn't take him. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) They just let let him sit there. It's it's been a crazy sports weekend in general. I mean, New York sports is uh, in a weird place. The Yankees get no hit. I happen to be there. Only 318 Mm -hmm. in history. Very strange. Then Kyrie's like, you know what? I'm out of (laughs) here. Oh, my God. Now the best, the best part of it, the absolute chef's kiss, is him being like, "Yeah, I'll leave thirty-six million on the table to sign a six million dollar contract." Kidding me? <laughs> He's gonna want that, and you know he wants all that money in like crypto. Crypto has just, to be. There's no way he's not a crypto bro. He's getting NFTs out of his ass. It's crypto.com. Like the Staples Center is he's now getting crypto. NFTs. He's getting NFTs of his ass for sure. Sorry. He has to be. They're worth something. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Uh, and Kevin, like the Knicks drafted, oh, the Knicks did something. They didn't draft anything. <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks following man. Oh, oh yeah, I know we're going to have him on later this summer for sure, because we need the annual state of MSG podcast. But if you guys weren't following the Knicks wall during that Thursday night kerfuffle, it's just, it was really fascinating to see a different, uh, sport fan base try to go through what hockey fans go through all the time, which is the Knicks made a trade and we didn't know for what for three hours, which it happens. To, I'm so used to it. I was like, what well, you guys aren't used to this? And then yeah. people were adding my whole time. I was just people adding Woj. I was like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't get your trade immediately. It's not, it's not somebody just getting the message from the league. <laughs> like, yep. cool. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, it's man. Incredible. I, I don't know, like, this isn't a basketball podcast. I don't really know what's going on with the Knicks. But I will say, if they spend that money on a player who's really not, like, a top 25 player, and you just kind of gave away some draft picks for later picks, eh, probably a bad move. Just said. Well, it's, I get, I, you're, first of all, you're absolutely right. We're not a Knicks podcast. Not a Knicks podcast. We are, we are a big Assets Boy podcast. And it's, uh, it's important for us to understand how, an MSG-based franchise looks at their assets because whether we think it's a one, it's not one-to-one, no chance. But you can take some stuff from what Leon Rose does and apply it to Chris Drury. And there's there are two ways to look at the, the Knicks essentially getting three super protected first-round picks. They're still first-round picks, and NBA teams still want them. Um, but are those picks going to be used to get a player or are those picks going to be used to get rid of players? And it's, uh, I say that to say that Pat Jack Johnson just won a Stanley Cup. And oh, I'm super God. Curious, cu- super curious to see where Patrick Nemeth wins the Stanley Cup next year. It is super curious. I, I refrained from tweeting about Jack Johnson the past couple of weeks because I did <laughs> make a charity in his name saying how bad he was uh, as a New York Ranger and as a hockey player, and he won a Stanley Cup as he was playing. To be fair, in the Rangers' defense, if they had Kale McCarr, Devontae's, Bowen Byram, Sam Gerrard as their top four, I would have felt a lot more comfortable icing Jack Johnson. Really would have. Fair. Take totally fair point. Just it's Jack Johnson raises the cup and I just kind of shake my head. I'm like, damn. <laughs> uh, and I know the rest of his team is insane. All four lines for the Avalanche for Buzz. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning had one shot in the first 13 minutes of the third period where they were down one. It's like, woof. Uh, I saw the tweets about that, but again, did not see the game because I just, I, it's crazy. I I think it was because the Ranger games, the Rangers being involved in the playoffs just made the playoffs a lot more stressful. And once they were over, it's like, you know, this sounds like what I'm about to say is a joke. 
but I promise it's not. The right. Rangers season ended and I went mm-hmm. to therapy. Like that's where, like again, I promise it's not. But we, Greg and I, podcasted every other day covering the New York Rangers, and it was over. I said to myself, "I need to see a therapist," and I went. Take care of yourself, everybody. It's it's important. The for me, the Rangers season ended, and I had the like come to Jesus moment that there's a chance, a good chance that the New York Mets are just a good baseball team. Therefore, I couldn't even get too worked up and upset about you. anything going I don't on blame in Bentley for not watching the finals. I don't, I don't blame you. I just can't bit. do it. I can't do it. To be fair. I, it's not like I watched every minute of the finals the previous two years when the Rangers weren't making the playoffs. My relationship with hockey is very, it's Ranger based. And if the Rangers you're, you're aren't not alone. Intri- in yeah. If the Rangers aren't intrinsically involved, I got news for you, Ryan, uh, outside of like Twitter clips, I'm not watching like Dodgers Braves either. I, I, if the Mets aren't involved, I'm, I don't really care. What I want to know is who, who people have this time. Where do you find it? <laughs> like, hey, I watched uh, three NHL games last night, including on the West Coast. It's like, dude, I need to sleep. I can't watch Kevin McCarr. Again, like, I have highlights. I can't use that excuse. I just told you I watched a College World Series, a golf tournament, That's and totally some NASCAR. Fair. I was like actively avoiding the Stanley Cup. So well, that point, is free now. I'm trying to play. That's it. It, I'm just saying it was a bonkers ending. If you guys don't know how the Travelers Championship ended, you need to look it up. The guy went to the 18th hole with a one-shot lead. He hit his second shot into the bunker, and then he just – he essentially missed on his third shot and remained in the bunker uh, and that lost sucks. by a stroke. That sucks. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about Artemi Panarin. You might have heard of The him. obsessive compulsive one. The OCD himself. Uh just let's get this out of the way. I have to tell you, if I was the target of a Russian hit, I likely would claim that I had OCD, and that would be my reason why I didn't have a smartphone. Just saying. <laughs> that would be my reason. That's a, He said uh, in a quote to uh, a Russian uh, newspaper that the reason he doesn't have a smartphone is because he's been diagnosed with OCD, and that's why he has to, he lived without a phone for two months this year, and he can't. He, it really hinders his lifestyle. Okay, Panarin, totally right. get it. Uh, I, I just hope people who are out there who are on the internet don't, there's, we're going to talk about excuses in Panarin for the next, like, I don't know, five, six minutes for a second. Mm. And, uh, if any of you use OCD as a reason why our, our team Panarin was not uh, quote unquote up to your standards in the playoffs, I will fight you personally. I think that's, <laughs> I can't, I cannot make that more clear. It is not, it is not a reason why our Panarin wasn't the, uh, all-star you wanted him to be in the playoffs. That all being said, I think we need... I tweeted this over the weekend, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Ryan Strom is... We haven't decided if he's having uh, pelvis surgery just yet, but we're, uh, it's up up for discussion, meaning it's hurt or injured enough where he needs to ha- possibly have that scoped out for a surgery. And he played the entire time with Artemi Panarin. He said in the postgame uh, or the postseason interviews that he heard it at the end of the season, and then, well... He played the whole fucking playoffs with it, and he played with Artemi Panarin, and there were a lot of times where Artemi Panarin would skate down the left side, and Cop, who I think was on a bum knee, and Strom, who had a broken hip and pelvis, was skating down, and Panarin looked left, he looked right, and no one was there for him to get the puck. On top of that, Greg, and we can go back and talk about this in a second, I understand that there wasn't this back check feature for Panarin, he wasn't this two-way player, he had a lot of turnover pucks. Again, he's thinking the game at a higher level than other players on the ice. He's probably thinking players are going to get where he passes the puck. Those lead to bad turnovers. 
There was also shoot the puck from the blue line. This also happened. Listen, say what you want about Gerard Gallant. We said a lot over the past couple weeks, especially with Capo Caco. Totally get that. But Artemi Panarin had to change his play style to play the way Gerard Gallant wanted to play in the playoffs. He didn't go out there and just do things from the blue line. He didn't just shoot things. He didn't wasn't Artemi Panarin a lot of the time. He had to change his game. Now, is that his fault or the coach's fault? Is it his fault for not adapting? Is it the coach's fault for trying to cage Artemi Panarin's game? Maybe. It could be both. It could be a mix. What I'm saying is, and the one thing I want to get to the point is, Artemi Panarin had a fine playoffs where, yes, he wasn't the all-out, end-all, be-all superstar, who I still think was playing injured in some way. I think that whole line was playing injured. But to have the gall, the gall, Gregory, to even say that there's a chance he could be moved or request out, a person who took less money to come to New York, who clearly loves it here in such a way, request out for what? For what? Is Chris Drury going to call go home and be like, you know what, Artemi Panarin, you're one of the 10 best players in the NHL, and we've decided your $11.6 million cap hit is just too much for us. How dare you even write that on paper? It's unbelievable. Well, to me, my biggest gripe with the article is the insinuation that you're bringing up here. Um, it's totally fine. And listen, we did it too. I remember there were, remember back after game four of the Pittsburgh series, I got on his podcast and told you, and I said, it, at some point, if Artemi Panarin is injured, it's irresponsible for him to be playing and you have to take him out of the lineup. Right. It's not saying the New York Rangers are a better team without Artemi Panarin in the lineup. It's saying that that version of Artemi Panarin was not going to be enough to help the New York Rangers if they kept making him play a certain way. And that's fine to say without that having to be interpreted as, oh, I think the Rangers should get rid of Artemi Panarin. Chris Drury can say he expected Artemi Panarin to play better in the playoffs. That's true. I think we all did. Like, that's not saying he's a bad player. Saying you were unimpressed or underwhelmed with Panarin's playoff performance. It's just a statement of fact at a certain point. And again, there are a lot of reasons for that. Panarin, was he 100% healthy? I'm not sold. He definitely ended the regular season with a back injury. He looked banged up in the playoffs. After that, we know Ryan Strom, his bed buddy, was playing at 50% tops with a pelvis injury where it felt like he was getting stabbed in the side every time he stigated. That's going to impact Artemi Panarin. You mentioned Andrew Kopp not playing well. Also true. The, he wasn't playing with great line mates. When he was moved up and down, the best he looked was on the power play, of course, because go figure, he's playing with four other healthy guys. Well, three if you, again, what does Strom do on the power play? Nobody knows. But it's it's to take something that probably is true, with which is Chris Drury has told other people, man, kind of expected more from Artemi Panarin. That doesn't mean that's where the conversation ended. That doesn't mean that's where Chris Drury goes, can't wait to get this guy off my team. Being disappointed with so how someone played and then making the leap, the gigantic leap to, oh, maybe he gets moved. No, 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 no. Nothing about the first statement implies the second statement is possibly true. Could it be? Yeah. Is it? No. It's that simple. So do it you're, at that point. You know what it is, Ryan? It is lazy journalism from a guy who looks like he doesn't want to be on the Rangers beat, which is weird. Agreed. And it's just this situation where Chris, Chris Jury could have said, 
you know, I just expected Panarin to play better this season. In that tone. In that tone. <laughs> yeah, imagine imagine for a second, Ryan. Let me let me transport you somewhere. Imagine Max Scherzer in a playoff game gives up four runs in six innings. And after the game, Buck Showalter says, yeah, I didn't expect that from Max Scherzer. You think New York media is then going to write, well, they want Scherzer traded. That, that's what that statement must possibly mean. No, it's just a simple fact. If Artemi Panarin played better, the Rangers would have played better. Sure. Are the contributing factors for why Panarin played poorly that he was hurt, his linemates were hurt, and every team had to focus in on Artemi Panarin in the playoffs? Totally possible. It's unreal. I don't understand how we got here. Why are we writing this? I'm all about – it's almost – you know, it's almost like – some people on the beat, specifically, ones that have not been on this show, <laughs> they realize <laughs> the that. other writers on their beat. They realize they can't compete with the other writers on the beat, so they have to try to do something. And it's like, when Brooks does it, it's almost funny. Well, and we, it, we I was going to say, it. if Brooks wrote this, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I get it. We're not voting it. We're not voting for, uh, man. Oh, boy, Brooks. Love you, buddy, but you got to hang in your shoes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny because not, we'll touch on, I'll touch on this very lightly. What Brooks is trying to say is that reporters need to be back in the locker room. And I think we and anybody we agree. that covers the team would feel that way. Agreed. But, like, you're protesting it with – the way he protested it makes it seem like the reason they aren't back in the locker room is because of the other writers and not the NHL. And then you you just you lose everything with a mask argument, buddy. Like everything. Yeah. You wear a fucking now. mask. If you don't want to do the job, don't do it. I don't care. I'm with you. And <clears throat> to lose your your rights, uh, voting rights forever, that sucks. Especially for Brooks, who's been a prestigious writer forever, forever. Isn't for he? A, he is a Hall of Famer. That's correct. So. <laughs> yeah, he literally is a Hall of Famer. He's fucking oh, awesome man. at his job. If if you th- if you disagree with me, which by the way, if you're listening, you're like, Ryan Brooks is not awesome at his job. Think about the last time Brooks wrote something and how angry or emotional you got in response. That's on it you. Made you he's, feel. he's amazing you at his feel. job. He's fucking awesome. Also, just truly incredible. I saw there was some uh, what if the Islanders trade for Josh Anderson rumors flying out Woo! there. And I I literally started daydreaming about what that column's going to look like. I can't wait for that column. <laughs> I, the best part about Larry is I can't wait to click his shit. I really can't. As soon as it's posted, I go, ooh, like, new Larry column? Got to click that. And that's my whole day. I can't stand it. Uh, uh, it there, if, if, fuck, my brain's just what If Brooks wrote that, I would be, I'd have no problem. But it's just like. Well, if Brooks, well, that's, that's the other thing about this, right? If Brooks wrote it, you would know it came from the Ranger organization. Maybe, definitely not Chris Drury. Because it seems like he doesn't have Drury's ear. But you know that he still has fans in the Rangers uh, front office somewhere. And in the organization somewhere. So if Brooks wrote it. Whether you agree with it or not, you at least know it's coming from a point of relatability to the team. For Drury to do it and be like, yeah, I've heard other people in the NHL say, uh, not, well, I don't know whose name I said. You know whose name I meant to say. Arthur Staple, him, his name. Uh, for him to write, yeah, other people in the NHL have heard whispers. From who? Chris Drury? Chris Drury whispers? You think Panarin? Who does he whisper to? First of all, Panarin doesn't have a phone. He can't text you. He can't whisper anything. <laughs> Who's next Man, to him? I just – but also, it's just – it's so bonkers. The other – God, the other people that were in that grouping just 
really sick. I'm gonna There's no other episode, way to say it. Is Panarin asking out? No. <laughs> <laughs> End prospects with Drew Wynn. So, source, source is reporting to Blue Shirts Breakaway that Artemi Panarin will be a New York Ranger next season. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty strongly reporting that. I think uh, opening night, Panarin will be a New York Ranger. I'm going to call that one. Call my shot. Uh, also, well, one more thing that I've done. Mammoth contract? What do you mean mammoth contract? Yes, I know it's 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 the second most in the league. The dude puts up like hundred point seasons. What are we doing? <laughs> he, I... He's worth the money. He literally makes the team go on most nights. I know it wasn't the playoff. On most nights, the the guy just wins games on accident. He looks like shit, and you're like, you look up, and it's like, oh, Ted Panarin has three points. How'd that happen? What's going on? It's so stupid. It's. Listen, it got us talking about it, which essentially is what he wanted to do. Correct. But it is the offseason, and, and I have to do yeah. I have to. I have to. I can't let that one sit out there without just, just sitting right there. I'm and like, listen, in his defense, he's been acting like it's been the offseason since he got here. Fair. So it, it, he just, he's in a role. He's, he's in a groove. I totally, oh boy. Um, we are going to talk to Drew in a couple minutes about prospects, prospect rankings, and where the Rangers will draft, because uh, not in the first, or who they'll target in the second, or so on. Uh, they won't have those picks either because they will trade Patrick Nemeth for them. So I don't know, you know, I know why we're having Drew on, but we'll figure it out. That being, that being said, let's do some five-star questions while we are here. Uh, I, I think I asked you this question last week. It's, it says again, is are, is this the Mets? Is this Mets team good? Is it good? Yeah, it, it's unsettling. I the, the stat over the weekend that really hammered the point home is someone was like, this win over the Marlins clinches a winning June for the Mets. The first time that's happened since 2012, Ryan. Crazy. Uh, this is from Tom Hurst Jr. Uh, based on the, how the cup final went, how do you think the Rangers would have done against Colorado had they not blown game three, uh, won game five versus Tampa Bay, and had two days of rest before the start? Would Igor have made it close, or was it going to be total domination by the abs no matter what? I think Igor would have, would have made it semi-close, but I probably would have taken abs in like five or six. The abs controlled possession in just about the, I mean, almost all of the games of the playoffs from what I saw again on Twitter, wasn't watching. So I'm only reacting to what the Stats fancy little and graphs and whatever. Graphs. Uh, so, but if we're living in a world where the Rangers all of a sudden were scoring enough at five V five to beat the Tampa Bay lightning, we would assume then that that scoring would carry over to some extent, to uh, the Stanley Cup. And then, so if we're living in a world where the Rangers are scoring at 5v5 and Igor Shosturkin is playing well, I don't know. Anything is possible. That's the thing. Like, when the Lightning beat the Rangers, did the Lightning look good beating the Rangers? They looked they never blew the like Rangers out. They were fine. Yeah, they looked like an incomplete team. But I, the big takeaway from, to me at least, that Rangers series was that the Rangers didn't play well. Not that the Lightning crushed them, destroyed them. And honestly, outside of the 7-0 game, it's not like the Avalanche blew the Lightning out of the water either. I will say, firmly, this is one of the few years where the best team in the NHL won. The, the, the last team standing is the correct team standing. And I'm not saying the Rangers would have beaten the Avalanche, but from where I sit, I don't know. It, I, this is why I don't really like playing these hypothetical games because if we're playing the hypothetical, then I could also just say that the Rangers were going to score five goals a game against Darcy Kemper. You, Darcy Kemper did 
hadn't didn't have to do anything. He really and a lot of that is how the really did not how the Avalanche played for sure. I understand that, but the Rangers would have had Igor, who's better than Vasilevsky. Sorry to break other people's hearts with that. And in this scenario, the Rangers are finally scoring at five v five, which means maybe they can penetrate the Colorado a little bit. But the thing is, once Colorado has the puck, you're not getting it back. They're just fucking. They're they're so fucking good. And I was talking about this. Uh, just I was just ranting to myself, to be honest with you, about how much the Rangers played in the past three months. I think they played like thirty games in forty five days in the last two months before the playoffs. They had no legs, and Colorado was extra rested, and the speed would have been too much. I think. Uh, it's from Hip Hip. Yeah, yeah, the the correct team. The correct team won. So that, what do I think the Rangers could or couldn't have done? I don't know. Don't matter. Best best team in the NHL won the cup. That's there's no arguing that. There are years where you can argue it. This one is not. Hip Hip asks, uh, Kreider is tenth in goals and fourteenth in points, eighty four behind Graves, who is tenth all time with New York Rangers. When all is said is done, will Kreider have his number retired? I think we've talked about this before. Um, I think if they won a cup, he'd absolutely be retired. Uh, if he stays here till he retires, he will also be retired. If he finds a way. Um, He's got to produce yeah, for like if six Chris, more years. If Chris Drury plays for the New York Rangers for 15-plus seasons, which is possible, then yeah, Chris, I think Chris he Drury? gets his number. Chris, Chris Kreider? <laughs> yeah, you said Drury. <laughs> Isn't this funny how this happens? When the times you catch it, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, if, he, if, if Kreider plays 15-plus years with the Rangers, he gets his, he gets his number retired for sure. Yeah, no doubt For about sure. it. It's and it's not a Yankee situation either. He legitimately earns it. Um, before we well, get... that's 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 now hold on. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting. You think it's a Yankee situation? I think it is. Where he just played for the team for so long that he's just. They have to retire his number. They yeah. have to because he was here like like a Don Mattingly. Yeah, like. Think of the Chris Kreider conversation we're having before he scored 52 goals, Ryan. What was that conversation like? I'm looking up Yankees retired numbers, and I know it's like 17,000. Oh, it's it's <laughs> everybody on the 98 through 2001 teams. Bernie, like Chris Kreider, the Bernie Williams of the New York Rangers? Yeah, I think I, – I, I, I love Bernie Williams. I love him. And, uh, sure. Shouldn't have his number retired. Should not have his number retired. I was thinking that this weekend. Just like, yeah, I, you know, I, I love Edgardo Alfonso. He might be one of my, he's probably a top five favorite men for me in my lifetime. I am not sitting here saying his number should be retired. And again, I, I like Paul as a kid. I loved Paul O'Neill. Loved him. I don't get it. I don't think so. Makes it's, sense to me. It's, I just, it's, it's a very, it's a conversation we're having now because he scored 50 goals. He had a great playoffs. He, he did all these great things. It's wonderful. But, like Chris Kreider, the hockey player. Think of I, I just think of the other important Ranger teams, right? Was he ever more important than Matt Zuccarello? Was he ever more important? Like he was on the same footing as a Derek Brassard on those truly great Ranger teams. Yeah, and he's probably he fourth. was never the guy. He's probably fifth billing if you like. We're doing a casting of this of this Rangers team. It'd be Igor, Fox, Panarin, Mika, Kreider. Yeah, that's fifth. the thing. Like. Buddy, I, you, of all people, love shitting on Rick Nash for reasons that are unjustworthy. Who, me? <laughs> but, but there's a reason why you shit on him. It's because Rick Nash was a super important Ranger player, more important than Chris Kreider. 
Kreider has been here for a very long time, but I won't, I will not stand in the way of him having his number retired. I will be there. I think I've started to lean there's, there's, he shouldn't have his number retired, but I think it will be. Well, if he plays 50, if 15 plus years with one organization playing as well as Kreider has, I get That's hard to do. That's really hard. I, I am I am here for that. Like if a guy spends his entire career with one team, fine, great, grand, wonderful. But if we wanted to be like the should is this guy good enough actually on merit to have his number retired? There's some cracks in that pavement. All I'm saying. Uh, all right. Before we get to uh, our friend Drew Way, uh, listen, I saw Aaron Judge this weekend uh, strike out a couple times, and you know who else struck out last week? Some other judges. Congratulations. Six of them, to be fair. Six, six of them, to be fair. Uh, I'll take. Women should have control of their bodies. That's about it. And uh, with that being said, here's our guest Drew Way. One second, let's transition. <laughs> Women should have control of their bodies. On that note, here's Drew. Transition. Hey, we're back with our, our guest Drew Way. Drew, uh, who uh, came in at the end of that fun time interview with, with Greg and I just talking to each other. Greg, Drew, resident prospect expert. Welcome back to the show. It's the best welcome I've ever gotten on any podcast. Speaking about women's right to truth, here's Drew. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th- th- thank you for that. A true champion. Um, but no, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. How you both doing? We're doing okay. Uh, a, lot, a lot of sports in our life. A lot of uh, a lot of busy times. The NHL offseason is officially here, so we're in draft mode. But because the Rangers won so much, Drew, and they won the Easter, <laughs> they got to the Easter Conference Finals and lost to a team that lost in the finals, a dirty, dirty, dirty team. Uh, they had to give up their first-round pick to uh, the Winnipeg Jets. That meaning they only have four picks in the draft this year. Usually we have you on. It's a very exciting time. We go through uh, all these picks we can have. We have you back on when we talk about players we shouldn't have taken, like Braden Schneider. And, uh, <laughs> and we have like we all get angry. It's fun. We have a good time. This year they only have a second round, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. The second round is uh, 63rd overall. So let's start there. Uh, do, you see a, do you see a scenario where the Rangers – trade back into the first whatsoever is there any sort of player you could see them trading back into the first four well i mean i would ask you you're more the insider than i am in terms oh, of is that's is something that they're uh considering doing the but, no. I, mean, I, I just want to hear your opinion <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm not really going to speak to like you know do i think the rangers will do x or y like as you know i get some right. stuff but i don't know that but what i'll say is like there are certainly a couple guys that i could see perhaps being available in the late first or early second that could be right up the Rangers alley and interest them in at least inquiring about what the cost would be for trading up. One thing I really want to say about this draft more than any other I've seen in a while is like after like the top 12, like it's, it's really all over the place in terms of where people value different people. And like every year there's always a thing like, well, someone that, you know, I have in the late first, you know, Corey Pronin might have in the middle second and Bob McKenzie might have around, but like this year, like literally there are guys that like I've seen ranked anywhere from like 20 on one list to a hundred on the other. And it's, and it's more than just one or two. Like it's, it's, crazy how like the variance in rankings among guys ranked anywhere from like 15 to 70 and you know obviously every year again there's that variation but this year in particular between just the quality of the draft class and the um just the nature of the pandemic and how the pandemic took a year of development away from a lot of people just adding that much more uncertainty to this class uh, you know the long story short of this whole little rant is there are a lot of guys i bet you that i have ranked in the first round that'll probably be available in the 60s when the rangers are making their first selection i was gonna ask you you seem to answer my follow-up question there which this is essentially the first it's still not a normal class right because the last two years have been 
so screwed up with some leagues playing, some other leagues not playing, some leagues not traveling at all, some players playing in college, some others not getting a chance to travel in college. So we're still in, we're still probably a full year away from a normal draft cycle, right? Yeah, at least. I mean, this is definitely an odd draft cycle. And like you said, it's this has now been two years where people have been impacted in terms of their their development. And like another weird thing about this class, too, is like a lot of like the most skilled players are bad at skating. And, you know, the way the NHL has morphed is where, you know, you can ar- make the argument that skating is the quality that these teams seem to value the most. And so that like the best way to perhaps in my opinion, at this point, to get a value in the draft is grab one of these skilled kids who isn't the best skater, but their issues are mechanical more than like you'll fast for a slow twist twitch much muscle fibers so like and then stick them with, just like that yeah and then and then stick them <laughs> with like a barb underhill type who is a skating coach and who's proven to make people at least average nhl skaters and you know flourish and like my guy this year is you know rucker mcgrordy you know he's a u.s national development program center I have him at like 14, I think. I've seen him as low as, you know, 45 or so. He's on like easily one of the most physically gifted players in this class, smart as hell, huge work ethic. Uh, he just, he's a poor skater. And, and in my views, like most of his skating issues are mechanical, something that if you get him with a really good skating coach, you can at least make him an average skater. And if you can make him like an average skater, like legitimately, he could be a John Tavares type. Like, you know, obviously I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but that sort of mold where two way can do a bit of everything really talented. And it's an okay skater, but won't blow you away. So let me ask, Oh, sorry, no, I, I just want to ask a hypothetical. I want to, I want to sneak one in there. Um, this is just three dudes talking, right? So this isn't based off anything we've heard or any kind of skepticism. But considering the variance in this draft, but how much you do like some certain players, say the Rangers had an opportunity to trade into the 20 to 25 range at the cost of Niels Lundqvist. Would you feel comfortable doing that? I mean, it would all depend on who's there, right? If it's just in a va- if you're talking before the draft, and we don't know who's there. No, I wouldn't. But if it's draft day and it's, you know, pick 21 and a Rucker McGrory or a Frank Nazar or like a Matthew Savoie is there, then yes, I'd do it. Interesting. Well, can we talk a little bit about the top of the draft? Uh, I know the Rangers sure. will not be there, but I would like to get like Shane Wright. I know he's a, a great quality prospect. He's probably going to go to Montreal, right? But he hasn't been like a... I guess bona fide number one, or am I wrong about that? And I'm just falling for clickbait. No, you're, no, you're right. And the issue is here, and why Shane Wright's so polarizing is as an underage rookie. So he had like the exceptional status who could join the OHL a year early, like John Tavares, like Sean Day, like Connor McDavid. Um, and so, and in his first year there as an underage player, he beat Connor McDavid's numbers. And so everyone was getting so excited. And then he lost the year with the pandemic. And and this year he was fine and was streaky, but was pretty underwhelming come playoff time. Um, and, and the long story short on him is, you know, the skill, the hockey sense, the work ethic, the two-way ability is all there to, to warrant him going number one. Some people in terms, I hate player comps, but some people throw out like the Patrice Bergeron type. Like it, that, That's a ridiculous comp, but he is like a very smart, skilled, two-way player who can be a dominant two-way player in the NHL. 
That said, I, I think the criticism is fair when you look at him. One of the reasons why he was so successful so young, right now he's six foot 198 is his you know height and weight listing. I uh, hit that underage year of his where he broke, you know, Connor McDavid's, you know, point totals. He was six foot like 175. In other words, he was super physically mature for a 15 year old. And so perhaps the thought is some of the reason why he was so successful so young is because he was just so much more physically advanced for someone his age than normal. God. Part of all this conversation too, Drew, is because that Czech kid has just had the year of his life, right? Well, that's the funny thing about the Czech kid, Yuri Slavkovsky, is he had the Olympics and the national tournaments of his life, but he was pretty shit in terms of he, he played for TPS and Liga. Um, Kapokako's numbers at, in Liga his draft year were far, far superior to Yuri Slavkovsky's. Um, and so it's in terms of like him having the year of his life, that's clickbait. That is people just looking at what he's done in the big, you know, high profile national tournaments, which of course are important. That's, you know, best on best. How does this kid perform under high pressure, stuff like that. So he's, in my opinion, there's a, it's a three player top tier and it's Lovkovsky, Logan Cooley and Shane Wright on that top tier. So no doubt he's on that top tier. If he went number one, I I wouldn't blink an eye, but it's definitely hyperbolic to be like, he's had the year of his life because his league play in Liga in Finland was very underwhelming. So where does Shane Wright compare to the prospect status of Lafreniere? Just out of curiosity. He's not Lafreniere. He hasn't had even near the, the production that Lafreniere had in Lafreniere's draft year. Um, if I were to like rank like the recent number one picks and stuff like that, he'd probably be you know definitely behind Jack Hughes, definitely behind Lafreniere, um, probably slightly ahead of Capo Caco. So you know maybe on in that tier. Interesting. Okay. So, but but again, like like, and to be clear, like like when people hear me say like on par with Capo Caco, people might be thinking, well, look at what he's done in the NHL. He's underwhelming. Blah 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 blah. It, it's just looking at how they were in their draft year, and in Capo Caco's draft year, he was amazing. He was every bit worn. You know, anyone that says, oh, he was the wrong pick at two, sh- shut the fuck up. Like you're being an idiot. That there was there was literally zero argument at the time of the draft to take anyone other than Capo Caco at two. Yeah, I, I mean, we all agree that. I know Kapokako hasn't turned out to be the player everyone expected, blah, blah, blah. You know how I feel. But again, that's there's a difference between you made a mistake in the draft and you didn't develop the player properly. And people who think that the Rangers made a mistake in the draft as opposed to they developed him improperly are idiots and should be ignored. Yeah, this is this, the Rangers drafted the right player. It hasn't turned out the way we all thought it was. It's not the Sacramento Kings having the fourth pick and passing on Jaden. <laughs> right, exactly. What are we, what are we or, doing? Or, or, or the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves passing on Steph Curry twice. Well, I, the Timberwolves one's worse because they didn't just pass on Curry. They drafted two point guards. They drafted the same position. And well, if you want to make the Rubio argument in hindsight, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, and it's like the Rubio hype, it would have been real. weird to draft a player over Rubio. I get that. But you yeah. took Johnny Flynn. Yeah. Who was not get even fit, that great you, at Syracuse. You, you can get fits on to bitch and moan about Flynn and the Syracuse system all day long, oh, you I'm know, sure. You know I will. You know <laughs> I will. Well, speaking of systems, let's get right into uh, the Rangers system, which is, I, I, I wouldn't say stacked. was stacked a couple of years ago because of the high-end prospects. Uh, but really, the, the talk of the town is Brennan, Brennan Othman. I think he's going to have another year of development. It's not going to be in the AHL because AHL because he is still deve- uh, not too young to be in the AHL. Well, he'll be 20 years old next year. What can we expect out of Othman? I know he's had a tremendous goal-scoring year. I know he's kind of had the great upside. I think you call him as like a 
discount Zach Hyman when we drafted him? Seems like he's had a little bit more uh, of scoring oomph. What's the development I, I, step taken this year? I don't think I called him a discount Zach Hyman. I said he was in the player archetype of Zach Hyman, My just apologies. to be clear. Yeah, I was very pro that pick. I was trying to explain that, hey, this is a good player that we just took in this spot, and people freaking out on him uh, needed to chill. Um, but he's tough because he, he's proven everything he needs to prove at the, OH, at the, yeah, at the OHL level. And so, like, you don't want to see him go back to the OHL because, like, what else can he do there? But it's, you know, do you really think he's going to legitimately make the Rangers roster at a camp and then be an everyday starter? Because that's what you need him to be because you can't send him to the AHL. It's, some people have asked me, like, oh, once, you know, he makes the team, can he then be sent to the AHL? The answer is no. He would have to go to the OHL. And it's, you know, it sucks. I hate this, this agreement between the NHL and the CHL. Like I understand why it's there. It's there to, to help the CHL and allow them to prosper and stuff like that. But it's players like Brendan Othman who are too good for the, you know, the CHL, but probably not quite ready for the NHL, you know, really suffer in times like this. Ideally speaking, he'd be playing first line wing on the at the AHL in Hartford and, and thriving, but it's now he's kind of stuck in no man's land. So I don't even really know what to say, like what to expect from him. I mean, I mean, he should dominate if he's in the OHL, but it's it's almost like, okay, we've you've been there, done that before. So is he going to be bored? Is he going to keep working? It's, you know, a lot of that's on him as a person and his coaching and what the Rangers put around him in terms of, you know, off-ice development and support. It would be really funny in a sick and only this <laughs> podcast kind of way if uh... – they spend this entire summer saying how Kraftsoff is back. He's the guy. And then Othman beats out Kraftsoff for a top oh, nine Please spot. don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, if Othman beat out, legitimately beat out Kraftsoff for a top nine spot, then that means he was phenomenal because I understand it's fun to meme and crap on Kraftsoff, but he's still a really, really talented player who's proven he's also a two-way player. Yeah, so let's talk about players who might actually make the roster next year. Is there a player outside, like obviously we talked about often, is there another player that has a chance from the Rangers system to be a fourth liner? Well, I mean, it, it, it depends on kind of what you mean by the Rangers system or whatnot. But, I mean, the Rangers signed Gustav Rydahl out of Sweden. And my guess is, based on their cap situation and based on the quality of player he is, like, he is the guy that the Rangers want, or at least that Chris Drury wants to win the fourth-line center role. And, and in terms of, like, what his – and he's talented enough to play fourth-line in the NHL. I, I'm adamant about that. This was a good – no risk signing by the Rangers. And in terms of the kind of game he is, like he's a big boy. Uh, I think he's like 6'3", 6'4". He's tough as nails. He, he's a real agitator. He, he, there's clips of him where it kind of like almost like a uh, Brad Martian who can actually stick up for himself where like he'll piss off the other team and then laugh in their face as they get pissed off at him. But the difference between him and Marshawn is, you know, he can also then kick the crap out of the opponent where Marshawn runs away and lets one of his teammates play that role. Um, but, but he's also skilled. I, I relate him kind of to like a Brian Boyle type where he's a big physical dude. He's more willingly physical than Boyle ever was, but probably not as naturally gifted as Boyle. Like people forget Boyle was a first round pick and actually had tremendous hands and, and pretty high skill. Um, and then ended up settling into a fourth line over right. has got that kind of game where he's a two way player. He can play, make a bit, he has decent hands, um, really good defensive player, really tough and, and an agitator. And, and he'd be the, He'd be a fan favorite really quick if he's able to make win that fourth center, fourth line center role. 
Well, I'll say this. I, I said it. We didn't talk about We haven't talked about him a lot for, you know, reasons. Um, you don't spend a lot of time talking about fourth line signings this far away from training camp. But it's what I said the day the Rangers signed him. I'll just repeat it again. You're not convincing a 27-year-old assistant captain who is Swedish playing hockey in the Swedish Hockey League to come to North America unless you make him at least some kind of promise that he is the favorite to make this team out of training camp. Like, he just wouldn't – he wouldn't have a reason to come here. The money isn't better. So you yeah. have to make it worth his while to come here, which is why I'm with you 100%. I see him at least – if not in pen, like I've written it in pencil so many times that it's going to be hard to erase Gustav Rydal being the Rangers' fourth-line center. Yeah, and he would deserve it. Like it's not just a situation where like we made him this promise so we have to stick by it. Like he, he legitimately has the talent to, to, to play the fourth-line center role. It's just a matter of, you know, adjusting to this country, adjusting to the smaller ice, all that stuff. And then, you know, the obvious answer to Ryan, I think, Ryan, you were the one that posed the question, is, you know, Niels Lundqvist, Zach Jones. Both of those are skilled enough to play those with the lost. Rangers roster. Those no question. Yeah. But it's yeah, yeah, one of them's making it, and the other's probably getting traded, and I'm already preparing to be pissed off about whatever that trade return's going to be. Totally get it. Is is Will, Will Cooley, is he anything yet? What's where, where, where are we at with him? Yeah, I mean, he's a really good player. I mean, he, I, I was, you know, moderately high on him coming into last season. Um, I think I ranked him like 10th in our, you know, organizational prospect rankings. And they went out and had a really good year in the OHL. I mean, people love throwing the Tom Wilson comparison around because he compared himself to Tom Wilson. And I've said this on this pod and I'll say it again. He's not Tom Wilson. He can't skate like Tom Wilson. One of the big things that makes Tom Wilson who he is, is he can skate like the freaking wind at that size. That's not Will Cooley. That said, I mean, this is a 6'3", 6'4", 210-pound kid who has a decent scoring touch in front of the net, is as you know tough as anyone, and is an adequate skater and decent enough hands to do other things. So it's... He, he's someone that at his peak could probably be an effective third liner who can agitate, can protect you and play a two-way game and provide depth scoring. Do I think he's going to make the team next year? I think that largely depends on who we sign in the off season. If we, if we go out and make another, you know, Dryden Hunt signing or two, he's probably not making the team, but if they purposely don't really try to sign many depth players, hoping that he makes it, then yeah, he could, probably beat out some of the lesser end prospects fighting against him in that role. I feel like Bobby T is going to be a name we see next year. I can't say his last name is Trevino. I think it is Trevino. Yeah. Um, so he, to make the lazy comparison that Ranger fans are aware of, he's like a Matt Zuccarello type where he's small. Again, I, I, I think you can see a trend here where the Rangers like guys that are smart and have a two-way game. You know, he plays, he's good defensively, but again, he's tiny, but it likes Zuccarello. He has no problem walking up to Zidane Char and attempting to face wash him, but obviously can never reach it because he's a foot shorter than him. But point is, like with the Zuccarello comparison, he's a playmaker, he's a two-way player, he's fearless, he's an agitator. Uh, the big difference is he's, he's obviously not the passer that Zuccarello was. Zuccarello is probably one of the better pure passers in the game, but he's certainly a more willing shooter than Zuccarello is. And, you know, he doesn't have the upside. You know, he's not going to be a first-line player the way Zuccarello proved to be in his career, but he can certainly be a, at his peak, a middle six, you know, two-way forward who can provide some depth, depth playmaking and scoring. Most likely, I think he's, you know, third, fourth line tweener who, again, it, it, you know, he can play on the penalty kill and he can provide some depth scoring, depth playmaking. 
Well, we have to we have to remember who the Rangers head coach is here, and it's Gerard Gallant, who mm-hmm. has famously said he doesn't like playing young players on his fourth line. So, are you saying, mm-hmm. in a scenario in which Vitaly Kravtsov is not moved, is there a guy you would be most comfortable saying I can see player X being the guy the Rangers slided slide into their top nine because they tried to sign, they just don't have the money to make a big serious move. I mean, it's hard to say. And I think so much of that answer revolves around what do we do with the second line center? Like our, if we decide Philip Heedle is in fact the second line center and goodbye Strom, goodbye Andrew Kopp, then I think that opens up a lot more options in terms of who we potentially could slide into the top nine. Um, but if we keep one of Strom or Kopp and Kratzoff makes the lineup, then there's there's no room for anyone to make the top line, the top nine, unless I'm you know completely completely missing something. You're not. You're not. It has to be uh, calming str- uh, Chrome Combs Combs Strom and Kopp don't uh, don't don't sign long term. Which uh, I'm assuming they actually won't do that. I don't know. We're gonna get to that another day when once that gets closer. But. I don't see uh, obligatory obligatory Paul Stasny reference. Just have to say his name. Yep, have to I keep get it. Free going. Totally understand. Yeah, I hope to God we don't re-sign Strom. Like I love him and I understand why people want him back, but I'm going to be so upset if we re-sign him if he for took a, a two-year deal. Anywhere I would, close, I'd clap. I'll put it that way. I, I, if he took a two-year deal at five million, it's just, it's just I wouldn't even give him one year at six million. Like it's there's no need to. I don't know. I like him more than Cop, and I've been flamed by a couple people that I really respect. <laughs> I think uh, it's fine to like both. Like Cop is better two way player. Strom is better offensive, and he pairs with Panarin. And you know the the knock against Cop is like, okay, the first year you have this offensive production is the year of your UFA. Like congratulations, Jerome James. Um, but um, you know, I, I think that. I, either like I have no interest paying 5.5 plus per season for either of them. Just I would much rather roll Heedle as your second line center, take that chance, find someone to play the third line center who can provide some depth scoring, but also play the penalty kill and hope that people develop properly. Enough with this bringing in random ass veterans and then they end up clogging roster spots for prospects that we're hoping to, to develop. I can't do anything more than three years for either of them. I can't. It doesn't matter. <coughs> Paul Stasny. Yes. <coughs> yes. Yes. <coughs> Yeah. Oh, that's me. Uh, that's, will Lieber Hayek be on this team next year? Is he going to be somehow finding a way to paddle down he's, into the lineup? He's, he's RFA, right? So I would say no. I can't imagine they actually qualify him, right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've been fooled before. <laughs> uh, all well, right, fuck. How about, how about this one, Drew? A, mo- a more uplifting question for you. Let's play best case scenario. Realistically speaking, what guy at 63 excites you the most? Realistically speaking, not some doomsday scenario where a guy you have ranked in your top 20 slides back and back and back. I'm talking about a guy legitimately ranked around that spot, maybe not unanimously, but enough other places that you're thinking, well, if that guy's there at 63, this is actually quite a good deal. Yeah, and understand your question. And I again, before I answer, we'll reiterate that. This year, there are legitimately people ranked, you know, that I have between 20 and 30 that I 
statue will be available at 63. And so I'll do two things. First, I'll throw out a couple of names that I do have in those 20s that I think could easily slide to 63, just so everyone's aware of them if they fall. And then I'll give you one or two people that I actually have ranked in that range. The first guy is a Russian pro Russian forward prospect that's dynamically skilled and wonderfully gifted named Gleb Trikazov. And he plays in the M MHL in Russia. And so insert all of the, like the Russian players were always an issue being drafted because the quote unquote Russian factor means they were worried that the you know, KHL teams would sign them to lucrative deals and then it'd be hard to come over this and that. Okay. Now insert the fact of what's going on in the world with Russia. Um, so there's a lot of issues with Russian players and a lot of them might fall on top of that. This is a player where, you know, I have him at 22, I believe. I've seen him ranked as high as 15 or 16. He's ranked that high generally by stats people in the in the prospecting community because he's put up some unbelievable stats in the MHL. But Bob McKenzie and those more traditional pundits who are usually better gauges of where players will actually go all have him in the mid or second round, possibly even later. So he's someone that if he's available, you know, he could slide there. I have him at 22 and he's phenomenally talented. Another kid is a, is a defenseman for the U S uh, development program. And I should note, like I know for an absolute fact that it, it, the Rangers have pretty much lived in Michigan this year in terms of scouting the, the U S development program team. Well, yeah. I mean, US... I, I think of who the general manager is, Jacob Truba. That exactly. Makes sense in the world. It, exactly. So uh, <laughs> did you just say Jacob Truba? <laughs> yeah. Yes. What, yeah. you think I'm kidding? Yeah, he's the GM. <laughs> he's the GM. <laughs> All right, but okay, so point is, is uh, the, beyond any, you know, fathom of a doubt, this Rangers, the Rangers are infatuated with this UA, uh, U18 U.S. development program team, and they should be because this team was phenomenal. And there's a defenseman named Lane Hudson who is five foot eight, 160 pounds. Uh, and you think of that, you think, oh, he must be all offense, no defense. He actually might be one of the best stick defenders in the entire draft class. He's small, so obviously he can push the round, but he legitimately is really good defensively and dynamic as all hell offensively. And he's a leader. He was the captain of this team. Um, and, and if it helps, he, uh, his agent was passing around these notes from his doctor uh, at the combine and stuff saying that like multiple doctors have said that they actually expect him to grow a couple inches still. And so he, you know, you draft nice. him at five, eight, because he's a five, eight defenseman, right? Because he's a five, eight defenseman, he's probably going in the second round. He's got the skill and the talent to be a lottery pick. No problem whatsoever. So, you know, say you get him the second round and he actually does grow a couple inches. Like now you got this no brainer top 15 kid in the second round so he's someone that i mean if he's there in the beginning of the second I, round true, i trade I up for him and he's very likely to drop i love this guy just going to draft preps being like look my doctor says i'm gonna be six foot that's fucking amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if this but it, yeah it was it was pretty funny i will um, i'll say I'll, I'll say this though drew before you continue i i don't think there's anyone that's ever appeared on this podcast that is more just draft the best player available guy than myself however a year in which the Rangers have one pick in the first three rounds of this draft. I swear to fucking God, if they take a defenseman, I'm going to have a conniption. 
Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll then give you a couple more. There's a prospect who I named as, you know, one of my finalists for the Ty Smith Memorial Trophy named Luca Del Bell Belouz. He's Whoa. a center for Mississauga in the OHL. I have him in the late 20s. I've seen him ranked anywhere from early 20s to 70. And he is someone where he didn't put up a lot of numbers. And so that's why he, he's actually probably going to go in the second round easily. But in terms of just physical raw skills, he he's a lottery pick um, and he could do it all. He's, he's got a wicked shot. He, nobody, perhaps nobody in this class is better at like that Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox pass where it's like no look thread it in between three defenders. And it goes right onto the tape of his, you know, of his teammate. Then, then Belvalu's is, um, and, and he's also got a high motor. Like sometimes these skilled kids, they'll drop because they don't work hard. No, he works really hard. He's actually a pretty good defensive player too. It's just, you know, his pure production wasn't great. So he might fall. And so he's someone, another kid that at the beginning of this draft year was in the top 10. And then unfortunately got freaking lymphoma is Yvonne, uh, how do, I don't, I even struggle with this last name. Miro, 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 yeah, Miro Shinkenko. Yeah. Yvonne Miro Shinkenko. He, he's, uh, it was top 10 on talent. He's top 10 coming in this year, struggled mightily, started falling down draft boards. And then it was revealed, well, he's struggling because he has freaking lymphoma. Um, he's Russian. So I, you know, into what I said about Russian players before, and he's you know, recovering, you know, cancer survivor. Um, and so, you know, I, I think someone will take a swing on him in the late first round because it's good PR. Plus he's a really good player, but he's someone where like, you know, he could fall obviously. Um, and then in terms of people who might actually like who I have ranked in this range that I want to point out, you got Greg's cousin, Devin, Devin Kaplan. Uh, uh, from the <laughs> from the U.S. development program, you know, as a winger, I, I mean, honestly, like I think there'll be better players than him available. I know some love him, like George Bremsky, who helps us with the rankings. He actually has Kaplan as a late first rounder, and I see it because he's got a good overall game and decent size and stuff like that. But he, he's not necessarily my cup of tea. I really only bring him up because his last name is Kaplan. Um, yeah, I mean, he does come it, from it, good blood, but I wouldn't I wouldn't trust the Kaplan on skates. Not not exactly a. <laughs> Not our thing. Listen, we hit the lottery with one good Jew. A second one ain't going to cut it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, one defenseman that I feel like Greg would love, I'm going to just leave that comment alone, is Maverick <laughs> Maverick Lemaru. He is a six foot seven, 200-pound defenseman playing in the QMJHL. I actually don't think he's all that good, but I just remember how much fun Greg had with freaking giant um, – I can't believe uh, Moritz Sider a few years ago. And you're like, I'm a big Moritz guy, even though you knew nothing about him other than he was big and could hit hard. Well, he well right. here's a six foot seven, hey, 200 pound. You know who defense. was fucking right about Moritz Sider though, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, yep, absolutely. Some, sometimes, right. sometimes I got to tell you, Drew, when we, when we are finally implemented in the Rangers front office and uh, that we have perfect mix where you're going to be the very smart director of scouting and you're going to give me all these guys I'm going to see a name on a sheet of paper and I'm just going to go this fucking guy. That's a guy. And we're going to draft him <laughs> yeah. and he's going to be the best of them. Yep. 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 Um, but I've got a couple other names quickly for you. Uh, there's a, a winger who can play either side. And, you know, I know the Rangers fans are like, Oh, we need a center. Well, we actually need wingers too. We have very few like high end wingers. It's a kid, Adam Sikora. He plays, uh, he's Slovakian and plays in the Slovakia league. And he's the kind of player where I guarantee you he'll be an NHLer. Like he, he, his, he's got one of the highest floors in the NHL. And when you're saying you might take a guy at 63, who's almost guaranteed to be an NHLer, that is tremendously valuable, but he also has, 
a decent enough skill where I think he could easily be a third liner, maybe a plug and play second liner as well. Overall, you know, well-rounded game, nothing in particular to brag about his, about his game, but can certainly, you know, be someone that I think that um, the Rangers could target around there. And then in terms of centers, there's a kid named Adam Ingram, who's like, a, right now he's a beanpole. He's like 6'2", 170. He plays in the USHL, but he's very skilled. Some of the prospect guys that really look at kind of just pure skill above everything else have him as a potential, you know, early second, late first rounder. He'll probably be available there in the mid-second round, and I could see him being the kind of center who the Rangers would really go after. Um, and then one other guy that I think um, the Rangers could certainly sort of target or be really – you know, interested in is, is uh, there's a kid, um, he's a center that played in the AJHL. So this is the, you know, it's below even the, the CHL. It's like the league beneath that. And his name's Rieger Lorenz. And he's someone who you obviously put up huge numbers because he was playing in a lesser league, but he's, you know, a six two one you know, just shy 200 pound center who I believe he's committed to play for Denver next year. And the Rangers do like kids who are committed to go to the NCAA. And again, Rangers like smart, hardworking two-way players that fits Rieger Lorenz, but he also has a pretty high ceiling in terms of just pure talent. You know, he's a little raw, obviously, and he needs to, he definitely needs some good coaching and to refine some of his skills, particularly some of his, some of his decision-making, some of his transitional play, but he's someone where he has like the raw abilities where he's the kind of player where you can get late second round in a few years from now, people look back like, how the hell did this kid not go in the first round? Can I, uh, before, before I have two Ty Smith related questions. One, <laughs> I got to tell you who my, that guy is for this draft. And then, but more importantly, tell me. Uh, for, it's Brad Lambert. It's just really funny to me that he's Finnish with an American mm-hmm. name. I'm all about it. That's all I need to know. That's it. I don't need to know I anything really, else I about I really thought he was American, so go on. Yeah, well, because from the land of Finland, like all the Kekalinens in the world, the Kapo Kakonins, the Kapo Kakos, ridiculous country. And then here's this guy whose name's Brad Lambert, and he's Finnish. All about it. Yeah, Big he's fan. from Florida. That's a lock. <laughs> uh, no, but his like dad, new- I think, was a Canadian hockey player. <laughs> Yeah, well, his his uncle is the new Islanders coach. That's the other yes. thing I know about him. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to be an Islander. But yeah, the Greg Greg's guy in this draft is Brad Lambert. That's just fucking hilarious. And then, well, two, hold on. I'll, I'll pause real quick there. Brad Lambert, okay. phenomenal. He, he's got. You remember how last year I was like Atu Ratu, the Finnish player. I was like, I think he should go in the lottery, but he's probably going to fall because people are stupid. Oh, Islanders take him the second round, yeah. and then he put up four goals in his first game afterwards. Like. That's like Brad Lambert. He is a big name, high pedigree, didn't do that well this year, so he's falling. He's the best skater in this entire draft class, phenomenally gifted. If he goes outside of the lottery, he's a guy that I'd be all for the Rangers trading up to get. He's yeah, someone well, you said Drew, before, I don't, it, it, I don't give you bad players. My guys are always <laughs> guys. Right. But but you were saying before, hey, like, would you trade Nils Lundqvist for the 20th pick? If Brad Lambert's there at 20, yes, I would. Um, and then before you give us the Ty Smith winner – do you feel less good about this award because Smith laid such a wet fart last season? I don't because it's easy. It's that's what happens when you are coached by Lindy Ruff, and I'll just leave it at that. That's it's awesome. literally that's a great argument. Great job. Yeah, it's it's the kid. High Smith was one of the best defensive prospects in hockey. Joins the Devils before anyone thought he would. Did phenomenal in his first season where Lindy Ruff wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, Lindy Ruff comes in, and he was statistically one of the worst defensemen in the in, in the entire NHL. Very similar to what happened 
with some of the Rangers' top prospects when Lindy Ruff and David Quinn were there as well. So, nope, nope, totally fine with it. It's all Lindy Ruff's fault. Mean. Fuck that guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, give us your Ty Smith uh, memorial this year, and we will uh, let you get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So the three fine, and again, this will be published in the articles ranking. I'm, we're probably putting it on Thursday. Um, and in terms of, I, 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 the way the article goes is I named sort of three finalists, and, and I spoke about each of them already. It's Rucker McGrory, it's Luca Del Belbaluz, <laughs> and it is uh, I actually don't even remember the third guy. So obviously I'm, he didn't I'm win. So Del Belbaluz, it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm all, I'm all, all, I'm all in on Del Bell. Like sign me up. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the winner is going to be the winner is going to be. Rucker McGroarty. And I will one, say, Rucker I McGroarty. do appreciate, I appreciate Rutger because I appreciate Rutgers, a college I like betting against and winning money in college football. <laughs> well, and Rucker McGroarty, strong, strong hockey name, but he's someone where, again, there are people who have him the second round. And I, I swear on anything that Rucker McGroarty, by pure talent alone, is easily a top 10 player in this class. It's just, again, the knock on him is skating. And uh, I, you know, Sam Stern is someone we all know and love on here. We all know uh, Sam. Aside from his food. <laughs> oh, we all know. Okay, fine, fine. I love Sam. Maybe we all, all don't love Sam. But he's very well connected with prospects. He legitimately was a paid scout from, I think, the Chicago Steelers. Who, or I don't, not Chicago, but one of the USHL teams paid him to scout. So he's as well connected as anyone in terms of these prospects. And, and he was telling me the other day that, like, Rucker McGroarty already has a skating coach is more, he's very self-aware. A lot of issues some of these prospects have is they aren't self-aware and they kind of are blind to the improvement opportunities. He's very well aware that skating is the one thing he needs to improve on, already has a plan to improve on it. And if he can become even an average skater, like he'll be looked at as no questions asked top 10 player in this draft class. He literally can do it all. Plus he's a dynamic talent, just isn't a burner. And because of that, he'll probably go late first, early second. And if I were a team picking, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, I'd have no problem calling his name all day, every day. Uh, awesome, just not, not to, not to sidetrack us and, and talk about a different sport, but just very important. It's, we have to say this on the, on the podcast quote, normal people keep the world going, but those who don't. Oh, Kyrie Irving, Jesus tomorrow, Christ. He's opting in and staying with the Nets. I just, I, I re- I've, read I've never hated I've never hated on. an athlete more in my life, with the exception of Chase Utley and John Rocker. Like, shut the well, fuck I'll, up. I'll put it this I'm way. Dying. I'll put it this way. Uh, aside from like criminals and like actual bad people, yes, like I, I there are very few athletes I've despised more than Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I, I yeah, I named a criminal and an actually bad person before Kyrie. So I'm happy <laughs> that. You, you... What about John Franco? Allegedly, Kyrie allegedly. or John Franco? Hey, he's just him. a bad dad. We he's a fine dude. We talk, about oh, we talk about him all the time. Father's Day. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, I can't believe he opted in with the Nets. He's Kyrie or Ryan's dad? He's still. Oh, uh, well, one of them still. One of them still puts out quotes. One of one of them. One of them when he said he was opting out actually did. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I have to say, like, I, I know I tweeted this, and, and like Ryan, I hope you realize, like, I was being serious. No, I know. Yeah, like, I know. Legitimately, what one, one of my favorite things about Father's Day is Ryan's fucking Father's Day. I, I had a lot of people be like, dude, I, I feel that. I am like, I'm with you, man. Like, no, it's hilarious, dude. My dad's been gone. Like, we're good. <laughs> we're good. I promise. Your mom, your mom just deserves a gift on Father's Day she's, too. She's a G. I called her. We had a nice talk. We had a we had a, we, we yep. had a family day, so it was good. Yep. Um, good. all right, Drew. Thanks so much for coming on. Anything you want to plug? 
other than obviously the, the draft right uh, I mean yeah you guys know you guys know the stuff follow me at Drews underscore way you know, D-R-E-W-S underscore Wait. way check out Blue Shirt Breakaway site later this week for our rankings you'll see rankings for me Rich and George plus aggregate rankings plus my Ty Smith nonsense and some targets that we spoke about here that the Rangers could hopefully get at the late of the second and then uh, yeah thanks for having me on Ryan and Greg love talking with you guys as always when, uh, when, are we, when are we cracking the whip and getting Declan to start contributing to this podcast it's about, about uh, i time. mean he's four he's four now and boy he's got a mouth on him sometimes when he wants so he can uh you <laughs> know like at least contribute as much as greg does sometimes <laughs> oh, oh she's fired. <laughs> we'll end on that uh no before we go i'll just say this we i know we've been doing this podcast for a very long time and i understand that there are like there are some things that make me go jesus christ how is that possible we've been doing it Declan's this long four. Declan being four is the thing that makes me yeah. want to vomit. Yeah, it's sickening. Yeah. Greg, you in particular would get a kick out of him, I promise. But well, he'll be on at him. some point. Yeah, next time next time you come, we're, we're at the bar. Bring Declan. He'll fit right in. We'll check there you out. go. There you go. Drinks right. on Declan. Uh, we will we'll talk to you later. You can follow us on Twitter at O'Reilly. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye. And it's time for America's Favorite Game Show, where Ryan reads 76 names in a row, and he butchers every single one. The NHL Insiders Club, where Ryan leaks... Certain stories like Adam Fox's contract today early and some other things um, where we talk about all things Rangers all the time. It's actually one of my favorite chats in the world. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and butcher everyone's names. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cretulo, Adam Keach, Adam Go, Alex Gardner, Amber Coinsberger, Anthony Turcotte, Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finellius, Chris Hyru, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Demich, Daniel Dezen, De- David Narodin, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainus, Give Gardner a cup, Gary McFly, Gretzky, Gary McFly, Handel, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, J- uh, Jamie Filipponi, Jarian, Marquez, JD, Jamie Mack, JJ, Frankie, JJ, John, Hardesty, John, Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Friedman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Laura Ross, Le- uh, Leshik Gronkowski. Oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> He's going to kill me. Luigi Ardano, uh, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kind, the legend himself, Matt, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas Dinicola. one of my favorite names to say, by the way, Pascal Perrier, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kojarev, Pro World of Tanks, Gamer, Randy Tesser, Scottish Grant, Sean Taggart, Steve Manella, Stig Bullbox, Swingard, Tommy Welsh, Tom Seclary, Tommy o- Ertz Jr., Tommy O'Neill, I call you all Tommy, even though if it's Tom, I hope you're okay with that. Tori from Manhattan Upstate, Vin, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. The cup is over, ladies and gentlemen. And finally, we can focus on what really matters. Will the Rangers make rash decisions and uh, and actually sign Copper Strom to long-term contracts? Will they trade Capo Caco for fun things? Stay tuned as the summer is about to heat up uh, in the next couple days, to be honest. What's going to happen here, and you know this, it's going to be uh, pretty active for eh, a couple weeks in July. Fun times, a lot of rumors, a lot of swirling. Then everything will be done by the second week in August, and there will be no news at all, and Greg and I will be coming up with the most nonsense podcasts possible from, I don't know, middle of August until September 16th, something like that. Then the preseason starts, we can start talking about lines and all that stuff. There's only 60 days till Rangers hockey. Do you can, are you kidding me? Six, 60 days? What the hell? All right. We'll be back next week, or actually, we'll be back on BSBOT later this week with Greg and I. Fun times, and we'll talk to you then. Love you guys. Bye. Everyone knows that putting money aside and savings is really important. 
But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Explore beyond the stratosphere in Museum of the Bible's compelling exhibition, Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, in Washington, D.C., open now through January 15th, featuring artifacts from trailblazers in history like Isaac Newton, Nicholas Copernicus, and hidden figures like Dorothy Vaughn. This exhibit guides you through groundbreaking discoveries and thought-provoking questions. Come and see how Scripture and Science have shaped our world. Get your tickets today at museumofthebible.org.